For the next three Sundays leading up to the day that we reopen for public worship on October 4, I, I want to talk about three aspects of the Christian life that the elders and pastors of ACC have been talking about, thinking about, praying about for, for some time. These are three aspects of the life of a believer that we really want to see emphasized in our church. And to explore uh, these, these topics for the next three weeks, I'd like to work our way through a prayer that Jesus prayed for his disciples at the Last Supper. You find this prayer in John chapter 17. And today I'll read the first part of that prayer, John 17, verse 1 through 8. After Jesus said this, he looked up toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you've given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you've given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, our, our hope and our prayer is that Astoria Community Church will be a congregation in which everyone, everyone is growing in their knowledge of God. Uh, we we, we want to be a church where we know what we believe as Christians, where we know why we believe it, where we all feel comfortable reading and exploring and discussing the Bible together. A, a church where we all know how to pray, where we know how to talk with our Father. So, in other words, part, one of the things we want to see, we want to be a church in which everyone knows God. Now, I have three questions about that. First, what does that mean? What does it mean to know God? Uh, secondly, what, why is this so important? What, why, why should your heart just be thrilled when you hear me talk about knowing God? So what does it mean? Why is it important? And then thirdly, how can we know him? How, how can we know God better? So first, what, what does it mean to know God? Um, in, in verse 3 here, Jesus says this. Now this is eternal life, that they know you. That they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, now when Jesus prayed this, when he said, Father, I, I want my people to know you, uh, the, the word that's translated know in the Greek was a word that had a very, very rich meaning. You know, in, in English, our, our, our word know, K-N-O-W, it's not a very precise word. You can conceive of, uh, for example, you can conceive of an algebra student saying, I know the answer to that question on the blackboard. I know the answer, and I know the teacher, Mrs. Williams. She's a friend of my mother, I know, I know her. So, we, in, in other words, in English, we use the very same word both for um, intellectual, conceptual apprehension of a fact, like the answer to a math problem. We use the, the word for the, the intellectual apprehension of a fact, and the same word uh, to describe relational familiarity with a person. So we say, I know the answer, and I know the teacher. 
Now, now in some languages, it's not like that. So, some languages, and, and, and uh, biblical Greek is that way, you don't use the same word for both kinds of knowledge. In, in biblical Greek, um, they, they, they had one word that they generally used for, for intellectual, conceptual knowledge of an idea. All right, that I say generally used because there's, there's some nuance to this. So they had one word for that kind of knowledge, and they had a completely different word uh, that they would use for um, relational, interpersonal, familiarity with someone else, all right? A different kind of knowledge. And it's, it's that second word, the relational word that Jesus uses here. When, when, when Jesus prays, Father, I, I want my people to know you. He is, he is not saying, it's, it's my desire to have followers whose heads are filled with all kinds of theological facts about God. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, Father, I, I, I want my people, I want my people to have an intimate personal experiential relationship with you with the father i want i want them to know you now to make sense of that we 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 need to understand that the god we read about in the bible is real god is a real person or actually three persons in one god but but god is a being who has personhood God is, God is not just a tradition that, that you follow if you want to. You have your tradition. I have my tradition. God, God is not just even a, a concept that you define however you want. You define God your way. I define God my way. No, listen. God is real. He's, God, he is more real than anyone or anything you've ever known. And, and his desire is for you to know him. Now, now, when we read Jesus praying that we would know the Father, th- this is really um, a fulfillment of, of the great prophecy about the Messianic age that, that we read about in, in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 31 says this, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord because they will all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So, so the, the, the prophecy about the age of the Messiah was that through Messiah, we would all know God. God wants us to know him. Um, now, we know that we'll never know God in this way completely. We'll never completely know everything about him. You know, I, I know my wife, I know her well, but we've been married for 30 years now, but I don't know everything about my wife. It's one of the joys of, of, being, of being married is that you, every year you get to know more and more about the person that, that you're with. Now, if, think about it. If that's, if that's true with a, with a finite human being, that we never completely know them, that, that, how much more true is that about the living God, the infinite God? Now, the reason I, I point that out is because sometimes Christians will kind of fall into a rut in their relationship with God. Has that ever happened to you? They just kind of fall into a rut where we, we think we've learned all we're going to know and we kind of fall into this pattern. We just, we just stop growing. 
And, and, and what we need to know is, listen, no matter where you are in your relationship with God, no matter how long you've been a Christian or you know how many times you've read the Bible or how many ways you've served in the church, would you agree with me that there's, there's more for you? You, you can be growing in, in, in your relational knowledge with God. And, and that's, that's what we want to see happening for everyone in our church. And that's what it means to know God. It's not just to learn facts about God. It's to know Him personally. So that's what it means to know God. Now, um, why is this so important? Why, why, should, why should it just thrill us to, to think that we can know God? Well, verse, verse 2 says this. Jesus prays to the Father. He says, Father, you granted your Son authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you've given him. So, so Jesus came into this world to give us eternal life. That, that phrase, eternal life, in, in the book of John, it doesn't just mean life that never ends. It goes on and on and on. It never ends. That's, no, it means so much more than that. This, this phrase, eternal life, literally you could translate that, the life of the age, meaning the life of the age to come. And what this is talking about, it's talking about that moment in history when, when, when God, through the Messiah, will reconstitute the entire created order. When, when, when Christ returns to this world, everything will be new. There will be a new heaven, a new earth. The, Revelation says the old order of things will pass away, meaning there will be no more death, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more loneliness, no more disappointment, no more brokenheartedness, no more corruption. Everything will be made new. We ourselves will be made new, and we will live in the presence of God forever. That's the life of the age, the life of the age to come. That is eternal life. Verse 3, Jesus says this, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. This, this is eternal life, he says, to know God. This, I think, is important for us to, 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 to pause and look at because sometimes, uh, you know, we, we kind of tend to think that when, all right, when my life is over and, and I'm going to stand before God to be judged, and if God finds me acceptable, then God will open the door to heaven and he will allow me to come in and I will rush past God into heaven and I will enjoy eternal bliss. That's the way we think. But Jesus is saying, no, that's the wrong way to picture this. God, God is not just the one who opens the door to heaven. He's saying God is heaven. This is eternal life. This, this, this is the age to come, the life of the age. It is to know God. In other words, um, I think Christ would, could put it this way. What will make heaven heaven is not just that everything will be perfect there. You know, all the ice cream you can eat and you never gain any weight. No, what will make heaven heaven is not just that everything will be perfect there. What will make heaven heaven is that in heaven... We will see God. We'll, we'll see God in the, in the face of Christ. You see, a, a relationship with God, knowing God relationally, this is more than just a way to get the things that your heart longs for. No, listen, a relationship with God is what your heart longs for. 
Whether you know it or not, whether you realize it, the Bible says that you and I, we were created in the image of God. And what that means, it means that you were designed, listen, you were designed for so much more. More, more than what? You were designed for more than just to be a worker or be a student or be a consumer or be a taxpayer or be a churchgoer. Look, no, listen, you were designed to enjoy a deep, real, meaningful, growing relationship with the living God. You were created to know God. What, what, what your heart longs for um, more than anything else is to know Him. So that, that's why this should thrill us. This is eternal life, to know God. Now, final question, how, how can we know Him? Well, first, and this is, this is essential to know, for us to know God, Christ must reveal Him to us. In, in verse 6, Jesus says this to the Father. He says, I revealed you, Father. I revealed, you could translate that, I revealed your name. I revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, you gave them to me, and they've obeyed your word. He says, I revealed you to them. So this is the, the, the great truth of the gospel. The gospel tells us that Jesus came to make the Father known to us. Jesus, Jesus is the second person of the Trinity. He is God the Son who took on human flesh and came into this world to restore us to a relationship with God. John chapter 1, verse 18 says, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in the closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Jesus reveals the Father to us. So the, the, the first step uh, to knowing God is really just very simply to come to Christ. Come to him in faith, come to him in prayer, and, and trust him to be your Savior. And I'll tell you, when you do this, you will find that your sins are all forgiven. Christ atoned for them on the cross. And you'll, you'll find that you, you now have a new status with, with God. You've been adopted by God as his child. You'll find that you have a new family, a new community. You're part of the church now. And you will find it. this is mysterious, you will find that God's spirit himself now lives inside you. He's at work in your life in ways you've, you've, you've never known before. So when, when you come to Christ, all of this will be true for you. And so I just want to ask you, have you come to Christ that way? Have, have, you, have you trusted him and allowed him to connect you with the Father? If, if you never have, you could do that today. You could begin to trust him like that. And if you have come to Christ, he's the one that, that connects you to God. So how do we know God? Well, the first, Jesus would say, we have, to, we have to come to Christ by faith. But that's not all. Secondly, we need continually to receive God's word. How, how do we know God? Through his word. How do we know anyone? Through their words. When I, when I was a freshman in college, uh, my roommate had kind of a pinup poster of uh, Linda Carter that he hung on the wall of our, our dorm room. Linda Carter was an actress who played Wonder Woman in a TV series back in the 1970s. And um, so my, the whole second semester of my uh, freshman year of college, every day, several times a day, I looked at this poster of 
Linda Carter. When I, when I woke up in the morning, there was Linda Carter. When I was getting ready for class, there was Linda Carter. Uh, the, um, when, I, when I came home fr from lunch, there was Linda Carter. When I was studying for an exam, there was Linda Carter. Just hundreds of times that semester, I looked at this poster of Linda Carter. It wasn't hard to do, very attractive actress, kind of a provocative pose, but I just, I kept looking at this poster of Linda Carter. Do you know how well I know Linda Carter? I don't know her at all. I don't know anything about her. I don't know, I don't know where she was born. I don't know how she was raised. I don't know what her sense of humor is like. I don't know what she likes or doesn't like. I don't know anything about her. Why? Because listen, if you want to know something, you have if you want to know someone, you have to do more than just look at them. You have to do more than just think about them. Right? If you want to know someone, you have to listen to their words. You have to hear what they have to say. Now, we know that intuitively. That's the way relationships are built. And listen, it's the same way in knowing God, in a relationship with God. If you want to know God, you can't just think about him. You have to hear his word. So Jesus says, starting at verse 6, he says, I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you've given me comes from you, verse 8, for I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. Je Jesus says, here's how my, my followers know you. I gave them your words. Now, I, I find that intriguing because the disciples, um, they... They came to know the Father not merely by hanging out with Jesus. You might think, well, they spent a lot of time with Jesus. They watched him do miracles. They, they watched him heal people. That's how they got to know God. But, but Jesus says, no, the way they came to know the Father was by hearing Jesus teach them God's word. He says, I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted him. Now, we, we don't have Jesus here to teach us God's word anymore, but we, do, we still do have God's word, don't we? We have, we have God's word recorded in Scripture. And if we want to know God, just, just like the disciples who were with Christ, if we want to know him, we have to listen to him. We have to receive his word. If, 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 uh, if you've ever known a Christian who um, just seems to have a really close relationship with God, Somebody who just say, you know, she really knows God. He knows the Lord. Um, they, they may not be very scholarly. They may not be very academic. But I guarantee you, if you get to know a Christian who has a close relationship with God, I guarantee they have spent lots and lots of time in God's Word. God's, God's Word is amazing. So, Psalm 19 says this about the Word of God. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there's great reward. 
So if, if, if we want to know God, we need to come to Christ. But more than that, we need to be feasting on, learning, studying, believing, receiving God's Word. Now, let, let me tell you a few ways that um, we can do that at ACC this fall. Here, here's just a few. One, one is this. Every year now, for several years, there, there have been a, a group of members at ACC who have been on their own following a plan that leads them to read through the Bible in an, in an entire year. It, it starts every year, October 1st. Um, so if you're interested in, in uh, about 15 minutes a day, reading through Scripture with a group of others, just kind of on pace to read through the whole Bible. Get in touch with us. Email me. Email the uh, admin at astoriachurch.org. We will sign you up for that. Here's another way. This fall, we're offering a class called Core Christianity. It starts next Sunday. Um, It'll be meeting probably by Zoom. All these meetings will be by Zoom. And this is a chance. this, This is not basic stuff. This is a chance for you to learn really solid Christian theology that will help you as you study scripture to to have a grid that will help you to understand the redemptive work of God in this world. I I just promise you, you, if you've never studied something like that, you take this class. It will help you to know God better. A, A third way, um, in October, we're going to start community groups again. Again, meeting by Zoom. And we gotta, that's what we got to do right now, right? And for eight weeks, just eight weeks, groups will be gathering to study together the book of Colossians. Uh, I'll be preaching through Colossians. Groups will be studying this. The, the, the whole theme of Colossians is uh, finding Christ sufficient to become a mature Christian. It's about Christian maturity. And, and uh, studying that book together is a way to dig into the Word. Youth group is also going to be meeting on Fridays. Teens, I encourage you to be gathering with other teens, letting God's Word speak into your life. So these, that's enough of, of the, uh, <laughs> the infomercial for the church, but I just want you to know, these are the types of things that we're planning this fall so that as God's people, we can be receiving His Word. Why? Because we want to be Bible geniuses? No, because we want to know God, because we were made to know God, because you were created, and because knowing God is heaven itself. Okay, so let me close with this. Um, my great-grandmother was named Ina L. Ellis, I-N-A, that was her name. And Ina Ellis was a preacher as was her husband. They were uh, preachers and and church planters and pastors in uh, little rural towns throughout the Midwest. And as far as I know, my great-grandmother was not a formally educated person. I I doubt that she went to college. Maybe she had a high school education. She she never had the benefit of, uh, of a formal education. But she loved God and she knew how to read. And so because she loved God and she knew how to read, she had made it her kind of a a project of her whole life to know the Word, to know God by knowing His Word. And she reached the point where she was able uh, to teach God's Word to others. So I, in my library, I have a book that belonged to Ina Ellis. This is called Haley's Bible Handbook. This is a, a book that apparently she used as she was studying the Bible and, and, and learning about God and teaching others about God. And uh, I, I treasure this book. It's got her autograph right in the front, Ina L. Ellis, Bridgeport, Illinois. 
And then if, if, if you thumb through the book, she, she must have just devoured this book because from start to finish, there's all these little check marks and asterisks and underlinings and, and notes that she's, she's written and uh, just um, training herself in, in the truths of God so that she could understand his word. Uh, apparently, she was fascinated with the cuneiform form of writing used in ancient Mesopotamia. She's got all kinds of notes about that. At the end, she's got all kinds of notes about, about the, uh, the, the various uh, councils that took place in the early church. She, she just wanted to know God. So, let me just read one thing from this book that I inherited from my great-grandmother, Ina. And this is something that she wrote. <laughs> she must have loved this. She wrote, good, read to class. And there's a check and there's an asterisk. And this is what she highlighted. This is a quote from a British pastor named George Mueller who lived in the 1800s. And I'll close with this quote. The vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. Let me repeat that. The vigor of our spiritual life will be in exact proportion to the place held by the Bible in our life and thoughts. Mueller says this, I have read the Bible through 100 times and always with increasing delight. Each time it seems like a new book to me. Great has been the blessing from consecutive, diligent, daily study. I look upon it as a lost day when I've not had a good time over the Word of God. So, I read this to you because I want to encourage you. Listen, there is a God who is real and who loves you very much, and He created you to know Him, and He wants you to know Him. Through, through faith in Christ, you can have a relationship with God that is, that is real and vibrant and meaningful and growing. And for that relationship to be deep, you need to get to know God well. If you want to get to know God well, you listen to his word. You let him speak from his word. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you that for each one of us, you designed us to know you personally. You long for that so much that you, in the person of your son, came to die in our place so that we would, we would be with you. And I thank you that we can begin to know the, the beauty of eternal life right now uh, by beginning to, to know you in a personal way. So I pray that you make that real for every one of us. And I pray that you would begin to stir within every one of us a hunger to know you like we've never known you before, a hunger for your word, a delight in your word, that we would see it work in us and change us, that we might be together a church of people who really know their God. I ask this in Christ's name. Amen.